And the Red Agenda is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your own hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hundreds of thousands hold their breath on Merseyside. It's Xabi Alonso for three, three is saved, and Alonso follows it in! It's wonderful! It's marvellous! It's 3-3 in the European Cup Final! OK, this is the uh, Red Agenda on The Athletic. I'm Steve Hothersall, as always, joined by James Pearce and uh, Simon Hughes. Let's have a look at the West Ham victory first of all. wasn't exactly straightforward for Liverpool, but yet again, showing the mentality they've got, Simon. Yeah, well, they've obviously done that quite a lot this season. Um, I can understand why people will prey upon um, any disappointment in any game. You know, to concede two goals at home to West Ham, you know, I was quite surprised, really. Considering um, West Ham's performance in um, in London a couple of couple of weeks ago, I, I didn't see them being able to offer that level of performance. I think you've got to give West Ham a bit of credit because I thought in midfield, particularly, they, they played very well. You know, I think Mark Noble and the the guy, the, the Czech Republic international midfielder, who got taken off. I think that was a bit of a turning point in the mm-hmm. game. Actually, he'd he'd had a really good first half. Um, but, you know, I just think Liverpool, again, sort of trusted themselves to go and win the game. Um, it's just that thing, isn't it, with David Moyes? You know, his record at Anfield is 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 poor, really. Um, you know, not no no victories in about 20-odd games, I think. So I was looking towards the, the, the bench uh, with about 20 minutes to go, or 25 minutes to go, and thinking, what's Moyes going to do here? You know, is he going to drop back, you know, from the point of opportunity like he has done on many occasions before against Liverpool and some of the tactical uh, decisions that he made I thought were, were, were the wrong ones really, you know, because Antonio was having a bit of joy um, against uh, Van Dijk and Gomez. He's that sort of play, unsettles defenders because he charges about and he, he's fearless. Um, and then when he brought uh, Haller on, I just thought that offered Liverpool a bit more incentive to move the ball about a bit quicker and Liverpool didn't play well but or as well as they can they weren't as sharp at the passing but there was still some good performances within the framework of that I thought you know Trent was was a threat always uh, Andy Robertson was was right on it you know Salah as well p- p- might talk a bit about Salah later but I thought he he was excellent last night I thought he was just a constant nuisance throughout the whole game and Liverpool did deserve to win the game I think when Liverpool score early James you sort of expect maybe an avalanche don't you but actually after the um the international break or the winter break that we've just had they do seem to be slower after breaks to sort of galvanize their situations yeah I think you know, Liverpool haven't been kind of anywhere near what we know they're capable of since the winter break. I think, I think probably have lost a bit of rhythm. I think there's also been mitigating circumstances in each of the games. I think, you know, Norwich, the conditions that night were that bad that I think that was always going to make it a real mm. leveler and and one that had to be ground out. You know, Atletico, as we talked about last week, are horrible to play against. And then 
yeah, I think I think you've got to give West Ham credit as well because you know you look at their team sheet and they have actually got some decent players. You know, they they've massively underachieved this season when you look at you know the, the talent they have got and you know especially from set pieces they caused Liverpool a, a lot of problems. You know, of course they got their equaliser from that and um, you know they rode their luck at times. I mean, Firmino could easily could easily have had a hat trick on another night with you know so it wasn't like Liverpool weren't creating chances. They certainly created a hell of a lot more than they did uh, either Norwich or against Atletico. Um, but, yeah, it was another one of those nights when, you know, the mentality that Klopp has instilled in these players really shone through because um, it was a strange atmosphere, I thought. You know, Anfield seemed pretty subdued for long periods, almost, as you said, after the early goal, as if it was like, well, this this will be a breeze now. Um, and it was only really the introduction of Oxlade-Chamberlain that, that injected some real life into Liverpool and injected some real life into into the fan base as well. Well, the atmosphere came when it was needed, wasn't it? Mm. It, it was almost sensed, I think, by the crowd. Look, we need to get on our game a bit here because the team aren't at the level which they would normally expect to play at. Yeah. And perhaps we're not doing enough. And all of a sudden, and it might have been that point when the Ox came on, I don't know, he, he certainly seemed to change things on the pitch. I mean, but the crowd helped as well at a certain point. Yeah, hist- historically, Monday night games, depends on the opponents. If it's an opponent that Liverpool expected to beat it, it always is, has been a bit quieter. Um, but I, I, I sort of thought that the, in the, the troubled moments... Um, you know, they, they sort of the crowd did come through a little bit more. You know, the, obviously there's a lot of trust between the team and, and the crowd at the moment. Um, I see. You know, going behind did seem to fire them up a little mm. bit, and I think what didn't, West Ham didn't help themselves actually a little bit because it's 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 a little bit of a warning I think for Atletico Madrid in a couple of weeks' time because Mark Noble was throwing himself about in midfield, a couple of silly tackles. You know, there was a few other sort of like challenges which got the crowd fired up a little bit I thought you know when, when that sort of thing starts happening people react to it and think you know you can't do that and you know if Atletico Madrid try those sorts of tricks you can just see people getting really wound up about it so um, yeah I think when Oxide chamberlain came on there was a bit more thrust in midfield a bit more urgency um, which, which helped the forward line perform um, to, to a higher standard Um but it, it, this is, you know, a lot of West Ham fans also spent the first half singing about, you know, the famous atmosphere, which, you know, always well-worn and trotters out. But, you know, the atmosphere against the sort of lesser teams is always a bit like that, really. And, you know, it, it's it's the famous atmosphere only sort of appears on the, the nights when it feels like there's been an injustice, if you like, you know, and the fans are like right on it and got to prove ourselves and... Um, so it's something that the players have got to sort of work their way through a little bit sometimes. It'll be interesting to see next season, you know, as as champions of England, how that will sit with the fan base, you know, because I think I've t- spoken about it a little bit before. The, I think the Liverpool fan base always likes to feel like it's the, underdo- it's, uh, the underdog in some weird way, even though it's a massive global football club. They, they seem to get fired up by that sort of status. So they're not going to be, certainly next season, the underdog, they, you know, there's every chance they're going to be, well, definitely Premier League champions. And and certainly, um, you know, the, the, there's a chance they could be Champions League champions again. So it'd be interesting how that sort of feels, that balance, I think. If you look at how Liverpool played last night, were, were they just poor by their own standards that they've set, which are remarkably high, if that makes any sense? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think... They weren't, but they weren't actually bad as a no, team, were they? No, I, mean... no, I don't think so. No, I think, you know, I thought they missed Jordan Henderson. I think, mm. you know, I think, you know, they... If, if anyone was any in any doubt about you know his influence on this team then i think you know that 
you know it was laid bare last night because I, th- I don't think they there wasn't as much control um, in midfield. I think I think they just lacked his you know his, his drive and presence, his presence. Isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he was you know he was he was there in the dressing room before the game. Mm. You know, geeing up players, motivating as he always does. He was in there after the game, but you know, in terms of when they went over that white line, I just thought the you know the midfield didn't function as well as as well as we know it can as Simon said you know I thought that was an area where West Ham actually did really well and, and competed um, frustrating night for Naby Keita I thought um, you know, a big opportunity for him getting the nod ahead of Oxlade Chamberlain um, but you know, I, again flattered to deceive really and you know, little bright moments when he was involved in the build up um, I think nice little interplay with, with Salah in, before the, the first goal um, but just didn't just didn't really seem to to build on that, and you know it was in the in the minutes before he got taken off, um, you could you know Klopp was bellowing at him from the touchline, seemed to be unhappy with his positional play in terms of tracking back and and and, and marking runners and and filling space, um, you know, and, and Klopp decided that he'd, he'd seen enough and brought on Oxley Chamberlain, and you know, and then you you see that Oxley Chamberlain provided. What Liverpool had been been lacking with, you know, that injection of power and positivity, and you know, breaking past people and, and making things happen and getting the crowd going. So, if you're uh, Naby, should that be a pleasure for you? Starting that sort of game with Fabinho and Genie Wijnaldum with what they offer and uh, and the chance to shine, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, I've got some sympathy with, for Cater because you know he hasn't. The, 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 he's, he's in that situation at the moment where I'm sure if you ask him he'll say to you I need a run of games I haven't I'm not really I'm not in the rhythm of it you know what what I really need is three four five games to to really show what I'm capable of but you know the problem is that's a luxury that not many you only you only really get that if if there aren't other options if you're not if you're not producing the goods and you know he has been in and out of the team and you know know, it just feels like one step forward two steps back with him you know he's had he's had so many injury problems during his two seasons at the club um when you think back to the impact we all expected him to make when liverpool mm. you know paid 52.75 million pound for him you know he'd absolutely lit up the bundesliga um and we just haven't seen that that nabi Keita yet and i think um you know you have to cut him some slack because i think you know the first year was always going to be a period, period of adjustment you know new language new culture he was very quiet around the place initially. I think now he feels part of it. Um, and, you know, and he, and he, uh, you know, his his English, his grasp of the language has has improved a lot. Um, but it still feels like he's getting to grips with exactly what Klopp expects from him. And um, you know, you, realistically, you think he's probably going to find himself back on the bench when when Liverpool go to Watford at the weekend because. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great night for him because you know, this, the fact this was Liverpool the season, wasn't it? Without him. Where, where we were meant to see actually that fifty million pounds worth of talent. You, you'd expect more. Navigator. You'd expect more than he's delivered really yeah. in in the eighteen months that he's been at the club. I I I like him as a player. I think he offers something that you know different to the the rest of the midfield. I think further up the pitch, he can be effective. You know, he sort of he's got a nice balance to him, isn't he? Hasn't he? And he, he is sort of good and picking passes in tight situations higher up the pitch but it's it's further back the pitch he struggles sometimes I, th- I just think is he, is he strong enough in though you know you, you compare him to Wayne Aldam I know obviously they're being selected for different reasons but you would trust Wayne Aldam with your life on the ball you know he, he in front of the back when he's in that position in front of the back four 
wherever he is on the pitch, he never gives it away. He never gets shaken off the ball. He did it again a couple of times last night. He can glide past people and give the pass off to, to one of the attacking players in front of him. Now, obviously, you don't want all players being the same, but I think he's got to look at that and, and realise that certainly in those tight moments further back the pitch, he's just got to be a bit, a bit stronger, I think. So, you know, it, as James said, it, it, when you're picking up those injuries, it's difficult to get a momentum, firstly, in the confidence in your own play, but again, in your, in your own physical developments as well. But Klopp must be watching him in training. He always picks players based on how they're training rather than necessarily than how they're playing. So he must be training quite well, you, you would assume. Um Back end of last season, I thought he'd, he'd sort of he got a bit of momentum into his into his season, then got injured again at Barcelona, didn't he? Let's not forget he got selected in the, in the new camp ahead of of Jordan Henderson. Is that right? Yeah. Um, which you know it was a big big call by Klopp, and he'd started that game well before he got injured, and that set him back. Obviously, you know, quite 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 some way. Um, so yeah, I, I think still I think, I think fans. I think fa- this is the thing. You know the way people sort of judge things now. It's it's very black and white, isn't it? And very, um, you know, polarized. So you know, he's either the best. You know, he's a really good player. And he deserves a chance. And if you're critical of him, then you're being really unfair. Or you know, you know, he's actually the worst player that I've ever seen. I, I was in the main stands last night, a bit further back, and a few. You know, quite a few people were getting on his his back. I mean, not that he would have hit it right right to the back of the main stand, but you know, I, I just think that there is a middle ground. I think you can expect a bit more, um, whilst also sort of being a bit sympathetic towards his situation. Yeah. Uh, just looking at that midfield even further, because obviously we mentioned Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain coming on and uh, we've had um, a message through on the inbox from Queen Lulu, who says, is the Ox's impact going under the radar? We looked a lot better when he came on, although I didn't think Cater was having that bad a game. So there's there's another member of the squad mm. sort of vying for some sort of regularity there. Um, and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain definitely changed things for the better when yeah, he came Yeah, I, th- I thought he was much, much better last night. I thought he was... I, I didn't think he's been great when he has has played in recent weeks. I thought he was he was poor at Norwich, Oxlade-Chamberlain, and then you know, wasn't able to have any positive impact in difficult circumstances coming on in the first leg against Atletico. But, um, you know, to be fair to him, he's, he's one of those players who's he's very, very honest, did an interview on, on the eve of the game against uh, West Ham, you know, holding his hands up, saying, "You know, I think goal goals-wise, this is the most prolific season he's had." But he said, "You know, I'm not happy with my own personal contribution. I know I can do more." And it, it felt like he came onto that pitch last night, feeling like he had a point to prove. I think he would have been peeved to say the least at being overlooked. You know, he would have thought, with Henderson out, you know, this will be my chance. The mm. fact that Cater got picked ahead of him, um, it reminded me a little bit of. You know when Aldem coming on against Barcelona in the second leg last season, in terms of you know playing like a man on a mission to to transform a game. That's that's exactly what you want as a manager, mm. isn't it? And that was Oxley Chamberlain did exactly um, you know what 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 he was what was he, what was asked of him. Um, I just think as well, you know, when he comes on in those central areas, I know Klopp tweaked the system late on, and he ended up kind of further to the right. Um, but he's so much better central oh, yeah, than, yeah. than when he's stuck out wide. I, I feel for him sometimes when he's out wide because, you know, he always puts a shift in, but he's nowhere near as effective. And and that like last night was the perfect perfect mm. example of that. Even, I think he had, you know, he came on and, you know, drove past a couple of players and hit one. You know, you know didn't didn't trouble Fabianski, but it just, it just, it was like a, a bit of a statement of intent and just got people, got people going. And that's, that's what you want. It's it. 
I remember seeing Oxley Chamberlain play for Arsenal a, a long, quite a long time ago now against uh, AC Milan in the Champions League when AC Milan were half decent. And he was he was only a teenager at the time, and he played. Arsenal Wenger plays him in the middle of midfield in that game. I think Arsenal won, but went out. I can't remember exactly what happened, but he was the best player on the pitch. He was like really drove Arsenal on that night. It was a really spirited. It was the sort of performance from Arsenal that you wouldn't have expected, or you tend not to remember from a, a late Wenger team. You know when they, they were sort of accused of being quite flaky. And I remember that night thinking he's got to be playing centre midfield every you know every game you know most games and obviously Wenger pushed him left pushed him right and just as James has never had that same impact now I, I I suspect he'd be wondering he'd be hoping you know that he he he'll want to play in the middle as I imagine you know obviously publicly I'm sure you know he'll be saying I'll play anywhere but he's just far more effective in the middle of the park like he's obviously in his mid twenties now twenty five twenty six knows the game a lot more. A lot more responsible. I, I I've got a feeling he's going to have a big burden on the end of the season, Oxley Chamberlain, because he's missed out on so much football. You know that one of the things that people forget in the the final in 2018 in, in Kiev. You know the sight of him on crutches in the middle of the pitch in tears. You know it was one of the sort of the the, the minor subplots of the night, if you like, because he obviously didn't play. So everybody was talking about Carius that night, but he was absolutely devastated to be missing out on that game. I think he felt if I'd have been on the pitch that night, I could have actually made a big difference and he, he probably would have had good reason to feel that way because he finished the season so well um, so he's got he's another player with a point to prove I think and he'll be absolutely desperate to get in the team after the West Ham game away uh, we spoke to him in the tunnel after the game and he, as James says he's very critical of his own performance he's scored at West Ham not happy with um, his levels and I think that's you know for a manager he'll be scoring goals and affecting the game in that way and he's still not happy Um you know that's a good sign, I think, and it's much quite, harder for these players who are coming in and out. Isn't yeah, it? it's hard. And, and it's hard to pick up the pace of the Liverpool team. It's hard. Like, imagine yeah, if, you, if you're regularly in there, mm. you're, you're just more in tune with what's required of yeah. you, particularly but, uh, under Klopp. I think Joe Gomez was a good example of that this season because if you look at the first half of the season, he start he didn't start particularly well, and then and then found himself only really coming into the team mm. when Klopp wanted to give someone else a breather, and the, and the only time when. Joe Gomez's season was really transformed was when Klopp was down to two senior centre-halves and he kind of had that knowledge of, do you know what, I'm now going to have that that run. This is this is my place. I'm going to be able to get that rhythm. And then he's absolutely you know, blossomed to the point now where you know, I'd, I'd have him as the second best centre-back in the Premier League behind the fella next to him. Um, but yeah, so it isn't, it isn't easy come, coming in, in and out of the side and especially as well like it's not only the pace of the game, but I think also psychologically when you, it's just that bit more pressure on your shoulders, isn't it? Knowing that, you know, especially when you look at the, that, that bench and, you know, it's full of, you know, international players mm. and you kind of know I have to produce and mm. that, that is harder than, than knowing, do you know what, I can just relax and kind of ex- express myself because I'm in this team for a while regardless. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens over the next couple of weeks because Klopp very much picks his team based on who's playing well, really. You know, he, 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 people, I don't think he's a manager that has favourites particularly, does no. he? particularly in that midfield where he's got lots of options. Now, at the moment, in my opinion, Wayne Aldham is probably the first name in that team. And people might disagree, but I think he was in, had a great performance again last night. Consistently, his levels have been eight, eight out of ten pretty much every game this season. Um, 
you know, let's not forget, he, he, as James says, he's in play to start the game against Barcelona. Haven't done Klopp a favour playing up front in, in the new camp. You know, uh, as a player, you'd be absolutely fuming. I've done you a favour there and, you know, got a bit of stick. And then you pull me out the team and then he comes in and scores two goals. I think that's Klopp's quite clever at that. You know, he knows how to maybe get a player fired up to some extent. Maybe, maybe I don't know whether it's deliberate or not, but... Um, so, yeah... You know, Juan Alden and, and Henderson would be the first two at the moment because Fabinho's still getting back up to speed again. I thought last night he was a, he was better than he has been. Yeah. His passing was was nice and crisp at times, but I don't know, you can still see that he's not quite at the level he was before he got injured. So that'll be fascinating to watch over the next couple of weeks, you know, which obviously Henderson's out injured at the moment, so that creates an opportunity in midfield. I would think that Oxlade-Chamberlain will be thinking, I've got to be playing against Wofford on Saturday. Mm-hmm. If he's not, he's, he's, he's probably got good reason to be a bit peeved in James's words <laughs> <laughs> uh, the injury to James Milner do, do you know any more about that is that just a, My, a slight yeah minor, minor muscle strain right was what Liverpool was saying last night so um yeah whether 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 the weekend will come too soon for him probably probably won't know until later on in the week right let's move to a different area of the pitch and um, arguably the standout player against West Ham was Trent Alexander-Arnold a tireless really and again, producing some more assists. So 12 assists in the Premier League this season. Second only to Kevin De Bruyne. So again, his stats just keep racking up. He's got 16. But since the start of last season, 24 assists. Six more <laughs> than Kevin De Bruyne. If you just t- take that West Ham game on, on its own in terms of what he produced, because re- relentless again, down that side of the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's funny, isn't it? Because Every so often with Trent, there's this debate about well, when is he going to move into midfield? You know, when when is is the time come for him to you know to to be pushed up the field or into a central role so he can he can really influence games? But it's like <laughs> I'm not sure he can influence games much more than than he does when he's on song. Like like he well, was what's his position, James? Well, uh, he's, he's, the, well, he's not a right back, is he? So well, I, I think he is because I, th- I just, just think a Klopp, redefined. Right I think back. it's a redefined right back. Yeah, yeah. because he. The fullbacks, Klopp's fullbacks don't play as fullbacks, do they? You look, mm. you look last night at just how ridiculously high up the field Robertson and Trent. And I thought, I thought even in the first half when Liverpool weren't great, they were for me Liverpool's two best players probably with yeah. Wijnaldum not far behind. Um, and it's just you know when when Trent performs like that, and for him that was the perfect response as well because he was poor against Atletico. You know, I'm sure he would be the first to hold his hands up and say. That was a real rare off night for him in in hostile, difficult surroundings against, a, you know, a real, really decent opponent. But, um, you know that that uh, but that was you know the difference between chalk and cheese. Compare that to to Trent last night with I mean the the delivery for the first goal is is absolutely outrageous to you know to to hit that ball first time and to you know to catch West Ham napping like he did, um, and he he must have put in eight, nine, ten balls like that, almost like impossible to, to defend. Um, it was just a shame that Mane had strayed offside late on. When, yeah, for that know, one. Like, what a goal a that would have been. Yeah, would have been a, a hat-trick of assists. But even, you know, obviously create, created the winning goal for Mane as well. And just, just how alert he was. I think it was Joe Gomez, wasn't it, who took... I think he'd probably file under speculative him having a pop from 25, 30 yards and the ball looping up. But, you know, Trent... You know, so alert to to get in behind and and put one on a plate and yeah, it's just hard to believe he's still twenty one. You know what? what you think was to cut? Is, is he the yeah. best playmaker in the team? He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. He's the best attacking right back I've ever seen. Yeah. I genuinely mean that. I think he's a better player than Danny Alves. Like he's a better passer of the ball than Danny Alves. 
I, I genuinely think that. I well, think it's all round game. Is it's all around. Well, I would say bizarrely, and it's not really you, you not necessarily associate Alves's defensive ability. I, I think there's still room for improvement defensively, and I think he admit that himself. I think there's room for improvement in every level of his game. I actually thought some of his corners last night. You know, it was a bit frustrating sometimes. You know, it seemed like he wasn't beating the first man. I don't maybe, maybe him being a bit unfair there, but I think that there is room for improvement. But I, I genuinely do think I don't know how you stop him. How do you stop your fullback being the most creative player in the team? Like, what does an opposition manager do to stop that? Did he play two left backs in the team and just say, well, you know, that that area of the field we're not going to attack, knowing full well that if you put a left back in that position, he's going to be out of position. So he's not going to feel like it's a natural responsibility. I don't think he can stop what he does. So as I, I, I don't think he'll end up, maybe, maybe in the years gone by, I think he, he always thought, oh, I'd love to be the main man in the middle, you know, to be that sort of Gerard-like figure. But he can influence the game in a far uh, more... Swashbuckling yeah, way. In, more, <laughs> in a more dramatic way yeah. as well. And, and you know, I imagine, I mean, I, I think he's going to add more goals to his game. I think one thing that... It's going to be fascinating to see it. I think free kicks, he's obviously still on the free kicks. I know he wants to score more free kicks mm. and and be that like real, you know, that one of those amazing full-back free kick takers. And what, was it, what was the European away one he scored? Hoffenheim. So yeah, his first, that was his, a great goal, his, wasn't his, it? Yeah. That was his, you know, his, one first, his first game. First, so Klopp yeah, had obviously seen goal, yeah. this kid taking free kicks in training. Yeah. Massive, massive compliment to the player. That's yeah. it to be it. So, you know, I, I just think he's only going to get better. Um, how you stop him? I honestly don't know. I, I just don't know how a, an opposition manager. He's well, David Moyes tried with Antonio, didn't he? he last night, he didn't have a bad game. Well, Antonio, Antonio played up front in the first half, yeah. and then he, he, I actually thought Felipe Anderson had a good game. And then when Moyes took him off, I was like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Because mm. he's he was actually pushing Trent back at times. Maybe you just got to match quality with quality and see who wins that duel. But I just think when, particularly when you've got Salah in front of him, who's such a massive threat. All the time, you know, you've got the workhorses in midfield who are going to do the the donkey work. I just think it's impossible to stop. I think Klopp's like sort of it's it it is a genius tactical manoeuvre because I know tactics change constantly, don't they? There's always shifting players around, and you know, there's a certain element of reinventing the wheel. You know, that goes in cycles. But the way that team sets up, I genuinely don't know how a manager, any manager, can or a group of managers or a league will suss trends out. I just don't because his, his, his quality is so high on the ball. I think his passing will prove to be, I mean, if it's not already, um, on the same level as, as Steven Gerrard, the way he crosses the I was just thinking the that, the, the way incredible. he strikes the ball, strikes does it remind you of Steven Gerrard? Yeah. Has he got oh. the same the same technique? Has yeah. he learned off yeah, it? Yeah, when he, when, he, when he pings those cross-field balls that... What, what 60, 70 yards straight mm. onto the end of Andy Robertson's boot. It is Gerard-esque, isn't it? Mm. The, the way it just looks so effortless as well. The the technique uh, and you know just how sweetly he, he strikes the ball. And also, you know, it's Gerard-esque the fact that you know the the way that he hit he takes his set pieces. He was unfortunate with the with, with that free kick last night. I thought he was going to mm. put that free kick away actually because it, it felt like he just he, he, it was almost like he, he was strutting around last night. Like you know, he knew he was on top of his game, and you almost like expected him to put that one away. And then you think, well, there was the the corner right on Van Dyke's head, which you know he nods against the bar. That could have been another assist. So he's 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 breaking absolute new ground, isn't he? Twenty twenty four assists. So he broke <laughs> broke the record last season for the most assists by a Premier League defender in a season, and now he's equaled it with what still eleven games to go. So you know he's going to shatter it again. I mean, Cafu came out last week and said. 
you know, he was eulogising about Trent and said he thinks he's a future Ballon d'Or winner. And you know, mm. maybe at the time, a few people would have scoffed and you know thought, well, well, that, you know, well, hang on a minute, you know, not even Roberto Carlos won the won the Ballon d'Or, but um, I think it's it's a possibility. You know, he's he's twenty one. You know, you're talking about he's already won the Champions League. He's on the verge of winning the Premier League. He's already played at a World Cup for his country. Mm. You know, he's he's going to be an absolute mainstay of this team for for the next decade at least. He's a future Liverpool captain. Got no doubt about that. He'll he'll definitely, I think. Uh, wear the armband for a, for a number of years, and you know the best thing for Liverpool fans is not only is he, uh, you know, the best right back in in European football, but he's a you know a local boy and with 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 Liverpool Football Club running through his veins. There's there's a couple of things there that James has touched on, which made me think. You know, I remember after the Leicester game, I know they won comfortably, but you know, Javier Mascarano was watching that game from afar in Argentina. And I just like, I think he put a tweet out, didn't he, about Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, what a player. I mean, <laughs> you know, these players, are some of the best players that have played, you know, Cafu, you know, would, would go down as one of the greatest right-backs yeah. of all time. And I, I've got to be honest, I never saw him have that level of impact that Trent has on a team. Now, I know tactically, I guess the team's probably set up for Trent's strengths in a way that maybe it wasn't with Cafu, if you know what I mean. But... I always remember when Steven Gerrard became the under-18s manager, so that would have been the summer of 2017, is that right? Yeah. When he came back. I remember you must have been there in the main stand at Anfield and you know we were all invited down to speak to him. And I think it was one of the last sort of questions that was asked, just like, you know, sort of, you know, what do you think of Trent? And he just, just said, do you remember he just said he's going to be a beauty him? Just flatly like he is going to... He didn't want to I got the impression he didn't want to say any more because yeah. he put it in his book as well, didn't yeah, he? There's yeah. a passage in his book where he mm. said, you know, there's this kid coming through. Yeah. Who's, who's going to be special. And he, he just, I think he, he's actually exceeded my expectations. You know, he's, he's, he's been learning the game at the highest level as well. It's not like he's been playing sort of further down the league or Liverpool have been trying to get into Europe. They, they've been winning the league. Well, they won the league more or less. He won the Champions League. He's played in two Champions League finals. As James says, he's played in a World Cup. The interesting thing will be England because <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of when John Barnes played for England. And John Barnes obviously was so good for Liverpool. And like he sort of set the team up around Barnes to, to really express himself. Whereas with England, that never happens. You know, he had more defensive responsibilities. I think Gareth Southgate prefers to have that cover at right back. It'd be interesting to see. You know, come the Euros, whether Trent will be first choice. I don't think necessarily he he will be, which that's not a reflection on Trent. I just think it's a reflection on the way the England team is set up. It doesn't mean that he can't what, play. Not wanting to play to his sort to of strengths. strengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what? I mean, if I was Gareth Southgate, I'd yes. be trying to replicate what Liverpool are doing. To be honest, yes. it would be absolute madness yeah, if he yeah. doesn't start the Euros. Do you think he'll start? Well, no. I think I think yeah. you're right. I think there's a good chance he won't. Well, because, he's not been consistent for him already, has yeah, he? So yeah, yeah. No, it, it almost been, indicates it won't be. Yeah, been, he's been in and out of the team. But you know, you you look at English talent around at the moment. Mm. Who who's playing better than Trent Alexander Arnold? Mm. Why why would you not? You know, regardless mm. of you know, you, you you've got you've got to get your best players in in that in that eleven. And you know, and, and also you, Trent Alexander, he, he's he's shown he's, he's he's not stupid. You know, he's, there are a lot of games when Klopp does tell him. Not to not to you know to bomb on all the time, and when he when he has greater defensive duties, and I I think that that side of the game is that side of his game has improved actually a lot. So I I think yeah I think yeah Southgate sets England up slightly differently, mm. but you know there's no reason why Trent Alexander Arnold can't adapt, and then you still have the benefits of 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 you know of what he can give you going forward, and you know the set pieces and 
and and just just those deliveries from wide areas because you know Sadio Mane stopped to speak to us after the game last night and you know he was saying you know as an attacking player it's an absolute dream you know when when you've got balls being fizzed in you know like that like he's able to do and very few players can he said he said you know it's exactly what you want as yeah. a as an attacker James just made me think that I'm going back a little bit but it's a point that I think needs to be made you know about the standard of this Liverpool team you mentioned Mane there I don't think he was anywhere near his best last night you know when you're out that team to try and get back up to the speeds and everything else Mane's mm. passing was a bit you know he wasn't crisp and wasn't always in the right position, I felt, as well. Last night, it just shows yeah, just what the standards are. I think. How, how hard it is to move yeah. back in. In terms of Trent, so young and achieved so much already, and this this is a big shout, but will he become a one-club player? So yeah. if you had to guess that in 10 years' time... Why would you want to play for anybody? I mean, at this moment in time, you would think... I mean, we've all interviewed him. We've, you know, yeah. we've spoken to him away from the microphone as well. Nice young lad. You're very passionate about his city and his environment and his, and his upbringing. Yeah. I mean, these sorts of players are few and far between now, aren't they? At the level that we're talking yeah. about. I, I think he'll be a one-club man. I mean, obviously, it's, it is difficult to look too far ahead because yeah. you, you think, you know, I said before about he'll be a mainstay of this team for the next 10 years, but you think where Liverpool were 10 years ago, teetering on the brink of administration, protests, a manager talking about a potential relegation battle. You can't take that for granted. But as long as Liverpool continue to compete at the top end, which there's no reason to believe they won't, and continue to match his ambition, as Simon said, why would he possibly go and go and play anywhere else? Mm. I remember doing an interview with him at Melwood probably probably two years ago now. So he would only have been, you know, eighteen, maybe nineteen. And, you know, he talked openly then about, you know, this is my club. You know, you know, he was talking about peering through the holes in the, the concrete walls of Melwood to watch, you know, Torres and Gerard and Alonso train and um you know, and I think I think his first European game at Anfield was the uh, the game against Juventus um en route to, to Istanbul and just saying, you know, just what this club means to him and to his family and you know, you only had to see the there's some amazing images of him on the pitch in Madrid with you know with with his mum and dad and his brothers after after winning the Champions League. So I you know I I I, I really like the fact that from such a young age he kind of said I want to be Liverpool captain. That that is that is my goal. That is my target. I want to win as much as I possibly can. And also I think you know he's surrounded by good people as well. I think there's no chance of you know he's, he's his brother Tyler is his agent. You know and, and Liverpool have a great relationship with him. Um, you know, if they quite often say about you know they just wish a lot of other young players would have the same great influences around around them. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd be absolutely amazed if Trent Alexander Arnold ever played for another team. Hmm. The, the the thing that you know maybe is overlooked a little bit about the way he plays as well is his game's not really about pace, is it? I mean, he's a quick player, isn't he? You know, he's quick, but his positioning and attacking sense, knowing where to be, it's all about. His positioning and delivery, I think that's what sets him apart, really. So I always wonder, you know, you're talking about 10 years, are you going to play? I mean, you sometimes think, well, if he got a bad injury, would would that change his game that much? I, I don't think it necessarily would, would it? You know, because he, 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 he knows where to be on the picture all the time. And it's just the quality of that passing that will never leave you. You know, that will always be there. So I think he could, he could it'd be interesting because he made his debut in the Liverpool team, I think, before both Gerrards and Carragher, is that right? You know, he's got a so great he could end up playing more games. He's got a great chance, I think. He's never going to catch Ian Callaghan, but how many no. how many games? <laughs> no, well, I mean, I mean, the mad thing is, I mean, that football again, there's more games in football seasons now than mm. there ever has been, hasn't it? So people say, well, you won't beat Ian Callaghan, but 
there's a chance if, if you stay fit, you know, particularly if the bulk of his career is going to be under Jurgen Klopp, where Klopp doesn't like to change the team. He only pulls Trent out every now and again, doesn't he? Trent might miss maybe three games a season, you know, when he just takes him out just to give him a breather. Now, you know, over the course of 10 for 15 years, that's going to amount to a fair few games, isn't it? What a future that lies ahead. Right, this is the Red Agenda on The Athletic. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. Uh, all you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash agenda and you pay the postage £4.95. If that wasn't enough, as a listener to the Red Agenda, you get two extra free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They're now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, so many more. And as an independent uh, UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. Uh, the beauty of Beer 52 is you can leave any time, the power's in your own hands, and you also get the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash agenda to get your case free. And uh, don't forget, right now, listeners to The Red Agenda get two extra free beers. This is The Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall. We've got James Pearce and Simon Hughes, as always. And uh, a lot of eyes on when the season defining game might be in other words when the game might be that Liverpool get over the line if indeed they're playing at the time let's hope they are uh, the Crystal Palace game is the one that we're currently looking at so if it all goes to plan as it currently stands and Liverpool win the next four games then Palace will be the game where they win the title yeah um, obviously it depends on what, what City are doing so they've got between now and the Everton game City have got two games against Manchester United's um, away is that right or at home yeah away they're at Manchester United away and then Burnley at home so if City lose one of those two games Liverpool can then win the title at Goodison Park or if they draw both of those games they can then win the title at Goodison Park but if they win both those games it will remain Crystal Palace mm. um, and the Crystal Palace fixture though is uh, a little bit of a conundrum at the moment if Liverpool get through the FA Cup round yeah that game will, uh, if they get through in the FA Cup that game will get moved I mean the, the James was saying before we started talking um, you know that the, there's a bit we're still not quite sure when that game will get moved to because of potential Champions League involvement and everything else because there's a bit of talk about it maybe being coming the last home game of the season but I would, I would think, being cynical, that the Premier League would sooner that that last home game was on a Sunday when the, you know, the figures probably a bit bigger aren't yeah. they against Chelsea. I'd imagine you know well, the, even the, Saturday, the, evening, the Saturday, Saturday evening, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's that to think about as well. Palace well so game, the Palace it, game it, could end up on the final week of the season. It it could, it could, but if if it's apparent Liverpool might get out, knocked out the Champions League and then it, the game could then get moved again, uh, and if that does happen, then the they potentially might win it at Man City if they beat Man City, or could they afford to draw at Man City? I, I, I think I think it draw. They could draw. They could draw at Man City and win the title there, which would be quite hilarious. So fundamentally, we've got nothing confirmed. Basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the yeah. moment, there's would still you, quite a few hurdles. Would you rather win it at Goodison or home to Crystal Palace? 
See, I don't understand. I'm, I'm conflicted. Wouldn't it, Goodison? I'm, I think the the wrong things might be viewed yeah. on on a wider scale. I think if the TV cameras are there, it's not always nice, is it? In in the stands, is is I'm that, a bit worried. Is that really, the way it comes yeah. across in its mm-hmm. best manner. Be sweet though, wouldn't it? Like, it well, there's the difference that there is that side, isn't there? The, yeah, is I it mean, winning at Goodison or City? Oh, City, City, I think will, will yeah, be good actually. I, City, if it was a choice, City makes a statement, too. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, City yeah. outlines Liverpool definitively. You imagine, to, imagine if you went to City and won to win the title, not that Liverpool would necessarily have to win, mm. but but that would, yeah, that would be mm. you know, compared to. Rewind to last May and missing out on that final day by a single point to 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 go there, and then beat them again, do the league double mm. over them, you know, to you know, the, the gap could be what twenty five points or whatever, potentially more. Yeah, that that would be pretty sweet. Although the more you know, I, I actually quite like the idea of winning it at Goodison for quite a <laughs> He's while. He's gone now. back to it, the, um, <laughs> yeah. but but then but then I keep changing my mind because then I think mm. Palace at home, you know, at, at Anfield. I, the one thing I. The one thing I don't want to do is Liverpool to win the league without playing, yeah. which is which is yeah. possible. And I know a very bitter Gary Neville was saying last night that um, that he hopes that's exactly what does happen because he wants almost there to be a, a sense of almost anti-climax to it. Now, you know that's only to a very small degree because you know regardless of when it becomes mathematically certain, it's not going to you know the next time Liverpool play, it'll still be you know party time and it'll be party yeah. time right through probably till the end of May and beyond. But I, yeah, I hope when it is settled, it's settled by a positive Liverpool result rather than something else elsewhere. I think Gary Nell's been a bit naive there because if that does happen, then extra emphasis will be placed on when they lift the trophy itself. So there'll be more of an anticipation around it and more of a build, up, I would suspect, <laughs> which he'll be a part of as Sky <laughs> and probably be presenting the, you know, mm. be a part of the presentation on the pitch at Anfield. So yeah, good luck with that, Gary. Do you, do you not think there's a lot to be said for them? We've seen it with the Liverpool team before where they line up in front of, say, the Cop or even if they, when they lined up in uh, the Wanda at the very end. Do you not think there's a lot to be said for oh, yeah. that moment with as many fans as possible? Brilliant. And that moment only exists arguably in the home game against Crystal Palace? Yeah. Possibly. I mean, uh, yeah, well, you could argue, I suppose, at, you know, it was a neutral venue, wasn't it? The Wanda. And, you know, the, it depends where, where that happens because particularly at City... I'm right in saying that the away ends, they do have the lower part of the away ends, or has that changed? Yeah, visual. You think of visually how it would look. Mm. I guess you know what I mean. Um, but I suppose a home yeah. game does give a lot more people the chance to be there and and to savour it, doesn't it? Because you know, thirty years, you know, mm. demand for tickets is already absolutely off. Have off you heard silly scale, stories about that in terms oh, of God, yeah, the demand? Yeah. Tickets changing hands for thousands of pounds already for well for the Palace for, game, for, no, not the well, Chelsea game, or well. It's. I think. It, you know, I, I. I know a lot of Everton fans have already sold tickets to Liverpool fans for the for the Goodison game because Liverpool fans are desperate to ensure if that is the day, mm. then you know, and, and if you can you can guarantee that if it does roll on to Palace, then you know they're going to be changing hands for for crazy crazy sums, aren't they? Because um, you know it's going to be a you know a moment of history and people people are desperate to be able to say they were there. Right, should we go to some of the questions on uh, the Red Agenda inbox? So thank you for sending uh, these in. Lots have come in this week. Uh, Let's kick off with Beatbox84. Interesting to hear your guys' take on Firmino's lack of Anfield goals this season. No lack of effort from uh, Firmino. Every game you watch, I mean, his work rate is phenomenal, isn't Mm -hmm. it? But the goals haven't come at home. Why is it? 
That doesn't necessarily have to be a reason. Does there have to be a reason? I don't know. I mean, it, he obviously belted one against Man United, which I thought was harshly ruled out. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, it would have been one of the goals or finishes at least of the season, I think, that, you know, past David De Gea. Um, I mean, I don't think there's a particular reason for it. I mean, the one thing that people are overlooking a little bit is Liverpool, despite their unbelievable record of winning all these games... You know, I'm pretty certain, I'd have to go and check, but I'm pretty certain, you know, that the sort of the goals for column isn't quite as high as other clubs that have won the, the league with yeah. not as good a record. So Liverpool, I think that's it, proves, it yeah. proves that Liverpool have to work very hard to win games. I mean, there haven't been many, even even in, in a home and Anfield this season, I can't think of too many home games where you've thought there haven't been elements of that game that's been really tough or, you know, they've had to, they've had to grind a lot of results yeah. out, even... Southampton at home the other week, you know, winning 4-0 in the end. 4-0, wasn't it? Like, that was a tough game, wasn't it? And So I, th- I just think that Liverpool, this idea that Liverpool have sort of, they've, they're obviously cantering towards the title, but they've had to work hard to get there. Um, and teams, are, I think, are, are getting better at squeezing the space in the middle. Maybe that's a reason why, you know, particularly at Anfield, they squeeze that space in the middle because, you know, of the narrow forward line. And obviously with Firmino being in the central point of that, he often, I noticed last night he was dropping very deep at times, you know, to try and get space for himself. So maybe he that's impacting him more than anybody else. That doesn't mean he's not, as you said, influencing the game because I think wherever he is on the pitch, he finds a way to. Like his work rate last night was unbelievable. There were times he, not only himself, but like Kayser gave the ball away a few times and he was chasing back and suddenly he was like, you know, playing as, you know, an auxiliary left back because Robertson had moved forward, you know. So I don't think there's necessarily particular reason from his own efforts or performances I think maybe it's teams are being slightly better defensively at Anfield squeezing that space where he plays making it more difficult for him to be dead centre of goal all the time and Liverpool Liverpool regularly look for that switch pass don't they like that the pass is usually to the far post rather than the centre of the goal so even last night there was one occasion where he flung himself across the centre goal and couldn't quite get to it but that was because the pass was I think aimed to Mane he was you know, behind him. Uh, Jordan says, uh, is Jamie Carragher right about Liverpool fans underappreciating Mo Salah? Uh, it's, it's arguably a much larger conversation, this. I don't want to go on forever yeah, about yeah. it, but I think Carragher suggested that maybe he's not getting the appreciation that Saudi Omani's getting this season. Yeah, Is that the I correct th- interpretation of it? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I think... Jamie Sorry, Carragher. Sadio Mane, as we've been told <laughs> off on this Twitter feed. Sadio. Sadio. Um, I can call him Sadio, yeah. Apologies. <laughs> I can't remember who picked me up on that. Go on. Do you know, do you know what? I think Jamie Carragher is referring to a minority of Liverpool fans. You know, I, I'm sure we all see it on on social media. You you see people talk about... And, and, and pundits, I've seen pundits do it as well to a degree this season. Almost that there's a debate, isn't there? If, if you had to lose one of the front three, who would you lose? Who is the most... You know, kind of dispensable if you mm. if you like, and I think the answer tends to be in that conversation. Mo Salah, oh, you know, you, there's not another centre forward like Firmino. Sadio Mane is in the form of his life. I think, I think that's a you know, and people say, oh, well, you know, why don't you just sell sell Salah? This is the time to cash in, buy Sancho, or whatever. Mo you Salah loses stats; they're phenomenal, it, it, aren't yeah, they? It, it, there is, you know, but I I think the the majority of sensible Liverpool fans do fully appreciate Mo Salah. And yeah, and you're right. Those who don't need to look at those stats. I, I just think, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, that to a degree, he's a victim of his own success in terms of he just set such impossible standards to try and replicate in that first season that, mm. you know, that the, he gets judged unfairly at times. And, um, you know, he, 
I absolutely love watching Mo, Mo Salah play. You know, it'd be absolutely the idea that Liverpool would be better off cashing in mm. or something. It's just absolutely ludicrous. He's a he's an incredible player. You know, he's you know he's absolutely elite. Um, and you know, I certainly hope he's around at Liverpool for for many more years to come. There's nothing to attract him elsewhere, is there? And the other day, Jurgen Klopp was talking to to you guys about the fact that Liverpool are the destination now, alongside yeah. Barcelona and Real Madrid. Or is, is that how you interpreted what he was saying well, in that? James might be best at answering that because I wasn't there, but I, I did read the quote. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a couple of years ago, even after his, you know, his, his, certainly his first season when he scored all those goals, you know, well, Real Madrid won the Champions League, didn't he? So it would have been tempting to go there. Um, but you know, I just think Liverpool now are the you know they are the club that everybody wants to play for, aren't they? I mean, we discussed it last week. Timo Werner, oh, sorry, Timo Werner. Somebody correct me. So yeah, I'm getting the same treatment <laughs> on as all you. of us. Um, He's delivered I don't a few. Mind come and get me, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's clear you know players want to play for Liverpool. And the, the the thing that I, I I love about Salah the most, and I don't think he gets anywhere near enough credit for this. He's a fighter, isn't he, Salah? I mean, there's elements last night. I was when it was what it was obviously going Liverpool's way throughout the whole of the game, and it did remind me a little bit of Suarez, where he was obviously getting quite not. He wasn't getting frustrated. He was getting angry that Liverpool weren't winning, and that was firing him up. And he was really having a go at uh, Aaron Cresswell, who's a good, you know, a very competent defender, and he had the better of him throughout the whole of the game. And He's, he seems to be getting a bit nastier, Salah, you know, with the way he is. Like, he's demanding more of himself and pushing himself. And, you know, he, he's... People would never talk about him in those sort of leadership terms. I wouldn't say he's a, he's a leader, but he sets the right example, I, I think, at the front now and is working harder than he's ever worked. I, I know we discussed it before, but, you know, you look at the shape of him, you know, and Cara was talking about that, wasn't he, that, that he plays so many games. He, he's built, you know, he's, he takes care of himself and... Great professional, you know. I, I, I can understand the conversation around Mbappe because he's an incredible player, and it is worth having that conversation. I think, but at this moment in time, why would you want to change? We're Salah? better with Mo Salah yeah. than you without Mo Salah. Him. You would not not want to be. You would not not want him in the team. Right, a, a thousand questions about Timo Werner um, on this feed. Well, we've asked for some some of your thoughts. Uh, it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it true that his release clause is lower than the initial twenty five million pounds muted? Says LFC Dan. Do we know anything on that? No, James is looking puzzled. As far as I'm aware, his release clause is okay. around the fifty million pound mark. That right. was uh, that was in the mirror yesterday. Was, wasn't it? I think there was some reports when they're in Germany that it's lower than that. But um, but no, to be honest, either way, you know, he, he, whether it's fifty or thirty or twenty five, it's 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 value, isn't it? The clubs will be absolutely queuing up for him. When you look at, you know, some of the price tags touted around for you know Sancho and Havertz mm. in excess of 100, 120 million to, to get someone of Timo Werner's quality. <laughs> Stop it! Um, well is, uh, and yeah, I mean, he was you know that's two interviews, isn't it? Back to back, he was. You know, I watched him actually against Tottenham last last week in the Champions League, and you know I don't see an awful lot of Bundesliga football, but. Judging by that game, you know, you do, you know, I watched him and thought, you know, he looks like a clock player. You know, he's, you know, cutting in off the left. You know, he made made things happen. Um, you know, and I think as we talked about last week, as far as I'm aware, things haven't moved on in terms of, you know, it's, some people are saying, you know, is it a done deal? And I said, well, of course it's not a done deal. We're in February. You know, it's, uh, but, you know, Liverpool, are, you know, there's no, it's no secret that he's a player that Klopp really admires. He clearly wants the deal to happen. Mm. Um, 
so uh, yeah, I, I hope it gets done because Liverpool, de- in my mind, definitely need another elite attacker next season to add depth. All right, if you want the full uh, Timo Werner conversation, then listen to the last podcast because the boys went in depth uh, on that one. I don't know what's going through Brad's mind, but he says if all <laughs> keepers were ruled out of a match, is there an actual plan for which outfield player would put the gloves on? I, d- I don't know what other Liverpool fan has considered this, uh, but Brad clearly living in t- <laughs> some sort of... Um, Slightly separate universe here. Who's he wants it? to know who's going in goal. Can I make a prediction? Who would be? It'd be Van Alden, wouldn't it? Do you think Van Alden would go in goal? I think so. What, yeah. On the basis, of the only position he's not played yeah. for Liverpool. Yeah. The um. And yeah. you've got an absolute love him with him yeah. as well, haven't oh, you? It would only be oh. right. Well, based around as well the fact that you could put somebody else in midfield because I would say that Andy Robertson would quite fancy that job. Yeah. I, I could imagine him thinking that he could do it, but you, you couldn't take the left because yeah. he, there's nobody else that can play. Do you know what? Yeah. Next time, next time I do a player interview, I'll ask. Mm-hmm. I'll ask them if what the the contingency plan is. I mean, it, it's, it's a good question. It's got to be there, hasn't it? In the manual. It. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time it did. I, I think it was Jose Enrique in Newcastle. Yeah. He. Um, because I just remember him looking pretty ridiculous with yeah. the goalie shirt on. Yeah, he looked like he found the goalie shirt and lost property, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish with this one from uh, Ahmed, who says, uh, "How does Jurgen?" Get this side to peak at the right time. Champions League semi slash final while overcoming Atletico in the round of 16. Mm. So in terms of, of peaking, I mean, is it possible for him to sort of dictate well, some sort of peak period for these players' performance? That, that, that is a good question as well. Because I was thinking about this, about how last season, what happened last season, really. I mean, he, he does have experience of getting them to peak at the right time because I think they, they drew... The Everton game at Goodison Park. That was in March, wasn't it, last season? Yeah. Early to mid-March. Yeah. So that's obviously when the Atletico game falls. So clearly, um, Liverpool are going to have to click into gear at that point by, you know, and win that game and go through. So all you need to do really from here is repeat what they did last season and they're going to be great. So he he knows exactly, you know, what sort of momentum is needed at this stage of the season. Like last season, they obviously lost the Barcelona game uh, in this period from March to May and then won every other game. So, you know, he just know. I don't know what the magic ingredient is, but he obviously knows how to get players playing in that period of time. You know, pretty much every performance was... I can't remember too many slack performances, can you, in that, in that period? You know, he, when when they went on that run towards the end of the season? No. They won the last nine games, didn't well, tr- they? Traditionally, Liverpool have finished seasons really well under them. Yeah, they? They've yeah. had, traditionally had a wobble around January, mm. early February, mm. which you know, didn't didn't happen this time around. You know, people have pointed to the last couple of weeks, maybe, as, you know, is this a sign? But I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't. I think it was just more the, the two-week break and, and just a little bit of upheaval and a couple of difficult fixtures. I don't I, I um you know Klopp, I think he's learned certainly in you know his his approaches has changed. I remember Henderson talking about it before Christmas over in Qatar, saying that the manager you know does give us now more time to rest and recovery doesn't push us as hard. He you know well, on recovery days you know they have situations now where fitness staff will go around players' houses rather than them coming into mm. Melwood and just just tweaking little things of the schedule just to just to try and. You know, to to help players, and you know, I think you know, I think he knows that you know they're not they're not machines. You, you know, you can't push them too mm-hmm. hard. You know, demands on them are so great anyway. Um, you know, and that sports science is, is one of Liverpool's great strengths. That's why you know they have been, although they've had you know some injury setbacks this season, they haven't really had many uh, many muscle problems because you know they uh, they are looked after so well. 
It's all about discipline, rest and recovery, something which uh, there's a question mark against your own name, James, because if we look at the, the number of questions <laughs> how... here about how many uh, how many nightclub visits you've been making recently, <laughs> uh, even from some of your colleagues like Dominic King, questioning your ability to keep on the straight and narrow. But... Dominic can expect a letter from my solicitor. <laughs> <laughs> right, we do need to give a, a shout out to the big night that's happening over the water and you two are both involved uh, in this, so... Um, it is what and where? It's, uh, what's it called? It's Alley called Alley Alley Athletic. Athletic. Yeah, and um, it's me and James with Rafa Honenstein, uh, who obviously is, is pretty knowledgeable when it comes to all things Klopp and Liverpool, having written a, a great book, Bring the Noise, and Right for the Athletic. On, on stage with uh, Ken Early uh, next month, and there's still tickets available in Dublin. I think last time I heard, I think there was 18, 19 tickets available. So I'm sure you've got the details there. Right, so down to the last few of them. And if you want to check out more information about the night, head to laalaathletic.eventbrite.com. And uh, there's plenty of information on there, and you can see the lads uh, live on stage. Ask them anything you want. As you've heard on this, uh, this podcast, they're open to any questions possible. Uh, this athletic podcast brought to you in association with Stitch Fix... An online personal styling service that's taking uh, all the hard work out of dressing well. So to get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in your style quiz, tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape, and your clothing needs and wants. Personal stylist then sends you five items of clothing, handpicked for you from a selection of over 100 brands, including established names and up-and-coming designers as well. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of a tenner. That's deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. And uh, remember, try before you buy. And delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Sounds a fantastic way uh, to sort your style out. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support the podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Right now, that's stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Thank you for joining the uh, the Red Agenda podcast uh, with myself, Steve Hothersall, James Pearson, Simon Hughes. And the games come relatively thick and fast now, boys. So we're looking at the next few weeks, are you feeling it's busy for the, the team? Yeah, I mean, obviously Watford Watford on the weekend and the chance to, to, to write some more history, um, you know, chasing a, a 19th successive Premier League win, which would obviously beat uh, Manchester City's record set uh, a few years ago and then you know, I'd be interested to see how Klopp treats the, the FA Cup game down at Chelsea midweek next week because um, you know, as we've talked about previously on the on the podcast you know, the, the debate about what could be a once in a lifetime shot at, at winning the treble um, or does he have you know does that does that influence him or the, the fact that Liverpool have got that huge game on the you know the following week against Atletico um, does he rest key personnel and 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 play a much changed team? I, I think it'll probably be the latter. I think I, I think with that Champions League game being so so big, I think Klopp will look upon that as a chance to give um, a lot of his senior personnel the night off. And I think also when you look at the bench, like it was against West Ham, um, you know he's got four, five, six senior players who who need a game. So I think and you know when you see Curtis Jones banging a hat trick again for the under twenty threes. Yesterday, um, you know, he he certainly deserves another another chance. Yeah. So, um, so that'll be interesting. And then, of course, you know, Bournemouth after that, and then, 
you know, the one that I, can't, I just can't wait for is that second leg against Atletico. That's gonna, that's just gonna be one of those nights that, um, mm. that you just, you just can't wait to come along. It's a pop oil night for James. I think <laughs> <laughs> Not on a school night, boys. Uh, we will reconvene in a week's time. Thank you very much indeed, James Pierce and uh, Simon Hughes. And if you want to find any of the previous uh, episodes uh, of the Red Agenda, you can find all those podcasts on the Athletic right now. We'll catch up with you guys next week. Thank you.